Wait, that worked? I think so, yeah. What? <laughs> Through the fucking Instagram. Hilarious. Um. Yeah, I actually typed it in before, and it went through, but um, the tablet did not work. But I'm using my laptop now; it seems to be working. Wait. Oh, so you're you're able to access your phone number through the through the through the uh, the, uh, the laptop? Um, it there was no phone necessary. It's just a link. I mean, I think you could have just emailed me the link. Too. Oh no shit. Okay. Well fuck. I'm glad I like I know that this is a an option too. First you know, I just didn't know because they they they, they prompt you with you know, these different options and that like they don't say like you can email the link, but yeah, it just totally makes sense that it could be dropped anywhere. So makes complete yeah. sense. Like, ladies and gentlemen, I'm tonight with esteemed colleague, uh a peer unlike any other, the one. The only, the one, the only, Matt. units from Ikea. My God. Wait, you, what do you say that you're, you're assembling Ikea stuff? Oh, yeah. There's just so many, so many like little pegs around that are rolling around on the floor and so much sawdust from the like. The un, un, um, unsanded edges of the IKEA furniture. That's there's so much grit. I actually love that. I've been doing a lot of IKEA assemblage in the last probably two or three years. Dressers and things like that. Like I, I feel like if I could give up making art and just make money, make a decent living, uh, assembling dressers and cabinetry and things like that I, I might just do that i might just put it out put it out there on craigslist and say that's what i want to do yeah i mean i think you can probably work for ikea as sort of a uh an assembler you know an assembler sage and you know because the diagram that means the diagrams aren't very good and they aren't actually what you should do is like replace the cartoon drawings that they have in their in their little sheets with your own drawings to, to make the infographics more um, understandable. Yeah, I, I, I just, I kind of fall in love with the, I mean, because you can, you can get lost in, in assembling these things and putting them together and, and you feel like you accomplished something. And, so, and you may even spend a whole afternoon doing it, but then you do it and you erect it by yourself and you pat yourself on the back and, and then you, you feel like a person. That's kind of, that's, 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 that's my experience in these, uh, with a with IKEA, I like it. You know, this is this is going to be our edgiest podcast to date because we're, we're gonna we're talking. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna trace the origins of IKEA and the origins of QAnon back to one common source. Have you been? Hey, have you been following the the QAnon stuff? Have you uh, have you done your independent research and, and gone into that that dark seedy world? Um. No, I mean, I think I think around the time of the like the quote unquote insurrection on the Capitol, maybe I was like looking at a lot of, um, you know, what the regular news media was posting about some of those characters and trying to figure out why the the wolf, the wolf guy or the um, 
why why that one particular man was dressed the way he was in sort of like <laughs> barbarian outfit. Um, which which I think was um, as best I could find out, he was sort of like kind of trying to bring back some pre early KKK before they had you know before they had their sort of like standardized uniform. They had maybe there was some, I don't know he was connected with some other nineteenth century racist group uniform but no i i haven't i haven't been um that interested in the no i, I don't, I, don't look, I i thought that he was he was just kind of just being a jack off i didn't i didn't really know if he how serious he was he just seemed like a lot of those people were there as a to ha- to have fun i i'm not saying i'm not excusing what they did and that they they committed violent acts and i believe they should be punished for what they for what they did for imperiling our public servants uh, who may or may not be our heroes uh, of the country, but uh, they shouldn't have done what they did. And uh, people lost their lives. Uh, I, I, w- I wish I was there so I could get splattered in the blood. I wish I was one of the police officers. I wish I was a brave police officer uh, fending off these um, these goofballs. It would be cool if you were sort of like had as a day job if you were kind of a maniac cop yourself, or if you sort of had a, I don't know, I could see you as kind of being like a, yeah, police, police detective or a, I don't know, park ranger or something like that. I, you have a moral dimension to you, um, Vic, I think that's like, you know, makes you interested maybe in those characters like RoboCop who are like sort of rigid justice defenders these kind of one-dimensional why are you why do you think you're interested in robocop (laughs) man uh it's perhaps because i I was infected young i i I saw the movie when i was eight years old i i I think i do i remember the first time i seen it but i immediately fell in love with the you maybe you know for all the superficial reasons uh it, it looked cool. The action was cool. His death was epic. He had a, a he was a person. Uh, even though, like, they go through the everything kind of goes, they go through it fast, and they don't show a ton of him, uh, a ton of footage or a ton of story with him and his family. But it, the way that Paul Verhoeven puts everything together, you get exactly what you need when you need it, and in just the right amounts. Like, I, to me, that is a, a perfect film. But again, the aesthetic, the the costume, or the the uh, not the uniform, but what do you call that? The exoskeleton, the gun is timeless. The the modified Beretta nine three R with the extended slide and barrel, uh, with the uh, the three round burst, and just the way that they there's the portholes on the side, or what are the what the fuck do you call those? Is the, the the unique muzzle flare that the yeah it comes out both sides and it just everything was great. I, I mean, everything about that movie, the line, the characters, even the bad guys, like you hate the bad guys, but they're also you can't forget them. They're and slimy. They're the direct- particularly slimy. But wait, who do you think designs um, weaponry like that? That seems like something that you would probably be good at doing, or or I think they're. I think a, a lot of um, '80s action movies 
maybe have certain weapon design that you know it's 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 somehow i don't know it 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 seems like they must have employed people who draw to you know i mean did like mobius have something to do with like the way that like the guns looked in aliens or you know they they there seemed to be this like race to make more baroque weaponry at that time and they yeah and they, you know they they fucking uh, they did it you know they uh, I, I mean for me robocop's gun is is as as far as for hand pistols just the way that it looks everything everything about it uh, is like the it's like the pinnacle of design for me. Like that just always stuck with my head, and so like like as as far back as I remember, I was always drawing guns. I I, I love guns. I just I mean I, whatever. I don't I don't think that everyone should have a gun and be brandishing their gun and, and walking up and down the street with their gun and intimidating people and trying to uh, evoke fear and anger and distrust among the other, but. Uh, Growing up on those movies and RoboCop, like the guns were awesome, and and in the eighties, yeah, like it was like the bigger and the better. That was part of the the appeal. You're you're right. Uh, I think you know you think about Aliens, the the James Cameron the sequel to Alien. Uh, they just they they took a, a movie. They took the original Alien was more, I guess, atmospheric, more spooky, more oh, more of like a weird sci-fi horror thriller, and then. Aliens came along and they just threw guns on everything and made the guns extra large. They had the guns to where they were, they had to be uh, harnessed and like supported uh, with like, like, a, like with a, like a back harness. If you, if you remember that, like right. all these ridiculous. There's a, yeah, there's something like um, completely like they're almost designed for zero gravity or something. Um, there's something really weird about the guns the the size of those guns being like it reminds me of like in the berserk manga like the uh the guy's giant sword that's like two stories high sword and the the yes. feeling like it's it's happening in this like this uh, imaginary space i was going to say there's i just saw a picture of the the person who was in alien the actor who was in the alien suit Bolaji Badejo. I took a picture of him because it's like um, I took a screenshot of the the actor who was the alien because in the photo he's like the alien from the neck down and from the neck up he's like uh, a god like uh, kind of he, he looks like very sensitive or something like that and and I thought about like the way that this guy was in that suit and um, I don't know he's like a dark-skinned guy i don't know anything about him or where he's from but i just thought it's so strange that you know like there was this one actor that you didn't you know see the face of and i just never thought about and you know just him being an alien being the other i'm looking i'm looking him up he's a nigerian visual artist and actor who became known as one of hollywood's most unlikely unscreened performers so yeah i don't know so just interesting that it was a Nigerian guy inhabiting the body of the alien. <laughs> like all the meanings in that. Right. I think, I think it's just a really, it must've been a, a very tall gentleman. I, I don't know. Is that the same guy that also dressed up into the, the predator rubber suit? 
Um, I I know nothing about him. I was just like struck by this picture, you know, because of like the way that it sort of, you know, contains the other, you know, and and yeah, I don't know. He was, I don't know. He was discovered in a Soho pub. It's, I guess a Soho, England. Um, so one of those weird Hollywood stories of like somebody being discovered, you know, like oh, you're you've you've got the physique we need to stuff you in this weird hr geiger suit um you have big this head and you're a, a demon from from hell space and he's just <laughs> like sure you know it's better than waiting tables or something but um yeah i don't know i mean the design designs in those movies i guess are pretty interesting to me like when when you get into uh, guns do you have to draw a lot of like ellipses and things like perspective is it like all about drawing perspectival like ellipses no i because i i i learned to draw wrong really or i i actually i don't i didn't really learn to draw with with the guns i, I you know i would say they said allegedly and i don't i mean i don't, I don't quite remember this no i do remember some memories uh, when i was a kid because I, I didn't go to school right away when my peers did. Like they kind of held me back because I was just, a, I guess, a little bit off. And I, there was some uh, suspicion that I may have been autistic because I just wasn't quite, uh, you know, I probably had like a, a half of a blank stare or something or, or things that just didn't click. I just probably turned my brain off and, and it probably, uh, I probably wore my fucking, my blank stare on my, on my sleeve, like my heart or whatever. And... But they but they did like different various uh, tests, and one thing that I was doing like I was drawing things in three D, so I was just doing it, and I kind of mapped those things out of my head. Anyway, not that I'm gr I'm great at it, but certain things I can pretty much draw from memory, and they just they stick, and so then I can I can you know spin them around in my head, see the lines within the lines within the thing, and see the, and have the form. Uh, but like guns are something that I was always just fascinated by the the muzzle flare the the bullet shells the damage that they do i mean it's the damage i mean damage is fucking like damage gore Did, yeah the effect of the effect of like i don't know i guess i could call would say that's like the phenomena of like or almost like the pornographic like carnage phenomena of those movies or something like i know i know that the killer was really big for you or John Woo and that whole idea of sort of acrobatic violence, you know, where it was like violence sort of turning into slow motion or like these kind of set piece scenes where people would be like leaping through the air. It would be very like choreographed. And I remember that being, I mean, we're about the same age. So we grew up on this sort of diet where, you know, Tarantino movies and these sort of like, I don't know, there was, there was like a, this aestheticized, I guess, like, I, concept of like violence in the movies. I don't know, would, would you, would you? Yeah, uh, it, with, with the Hong Kong movies that I, that I, I fucking, I gobbled up. I mean, before it was, before the Hong Kong stuff, it was all the American films. It was the, the, the RoboCop around the same time I saw Die Hard. And then there was the Predator. They all kind of came out and around the same time. And then other movies, all the, all the Charles Bronson movies, The Death Wish, uh, The Death Wishes, 
and then there was other small independent uh gory other film and just other things that that, that would find along the along the way but the the hong kong like the, the, in the hong kong they would they referred to it as heroic bloodshed and yeah john woo more or less as far as i understand he like he he took he made he created I mean, there's there was gun movies and shooty movies, but he more or less made it into what it became, and then that lasted for maybe close to two decades, and it, it still kind of pops up here and there. But it's there, you know, the, the, the golden era for that was like the '80s and the '90s. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I don't. It was just, yeah, this 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 glorification of violence and uh, the fulfillment of vendettas. And uh, a, a dark, a brooding, <laughs> a flawed hero who was also a piece of shit, but somehow wasn't a piece of shit. I mean, just complicated. I mean, it, but you know, what I, what I really liked about as I as I matured, I think I matured a little bit as I was maturing and growing up watching these films. It wasn't the the action wasn't hollow, and that's why I think I, I like. There's certain action films that stuck with me. And those are the ones where they, there was like real imperatives. There was, there, it felt like there was a, that there were stakes that, that there was like real, that there was a real heart and a soul in the performances and the stories and that it wasn't just hollow. So certain, certain, so, so like, there's a lot of movies that I, I try to watch movies or action films or, or spectacle films. And I, and I just can't get into them because I feel like they are lacking. They just they don't they don't have the right stuff. But then, like you know, you and I have uh, have come together, uh, you know, with the the mutual appreciation of of these kind of films. Uh, I know you must have seen Takahishi. Was it how you pronounce his name? Takashi. Mi oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. It's interesting because maybe I don't. Actually, I was very afraid of gore. Um, I was afraid of watching the Nightmare uh, on Elm Street movies. Um, I still have this kind of lingering dislike of gore in a weird way, but um, which I, I then tried to like, you know, force myself to watch really visceral things. Um, but it's 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 kind of like maybe what what interested me about movies was maybe more of a surprise an element of surprise like and and so i think that the Mike movies are always like shifting kind of like um shifting between modes or or um they're they're surprising they're they're very abrupt or they're very jarring um like the camera movements in in like the evil dead or something like that um the the way that like i think gozu was a was a Mike movie although it's been a lot of years since i saw it but it like has to do with going to an inn and there's like um just this weird hotel and and um then there's like these horrible violent things that happen with like a a golden spoon being like rammed into somebody's ass or something like there's, there's like right. weird cow people or something. It just seemed very surrealist to me. And so I would connect that with like an interest in like 
I mean, you know, surrealist disjunction, Unshin Andalou, you know, for me, Mike is a kind of this weird genre surrealist. And that connects with a lot of things that I like that are like not action movies, you know, like experimental film or, um, you know, or people who make narrative, who make very narrative films, like, you know, um, I don't know, like, I, I like when people like sort of make experimental films, but on a hack, on a hack schedule. So, so like they just sort of pump out film after film and they like do them so fast, but they're also weird. I feel like Nikkei really does that where it's like, here's this weird musical about like cannibals and an inn, like the happiness of the Katakuris or. Oh, that movie is oh, amazing. I don't know. I, I like it when people do a lot of different modes and especially when they, um, do you know channel switching all in one, all in one work? Um. Yeah, that that movie incorporates. Uh, I mean, it's comedy, musical. You said cannibalism. I, I mean, I haven't seen it like since two thousand and five. Uh, claymation, and one of the most surreal endings to a film that left me in tears. It should it, like it. It was so. Like, yeah, he had he had. There's probably twenty or so different modes in that film, and it just shifts willy nilly on a, a wild whims, and it's it it defies. Uh, <laughs> it def you would because you would think that like you you couldn't take this movie seriously, but it is so affecting emotionally for me. It, it fucking it, it just got like all the ingredients. All that, sh that shouldn't go together all went together perfectly. And I need to watch that again because obviously I, I really liked it. And I think, I think like also, um, I think when you see something that um, switches the channel on you and then maybe, maybe like you were having a, um, like an emotional reaction to something but then it sort of undermines that by like changing the the like pulling the carpet out from under you and saying you know the emotional reaction you're having is not really it's like you should be suspect of it or something like that you know like you know because i, I just feel like so many things are kind of pro programmatic like they're they're designed to sort of and it's kind of why I can't I actually have had a really hard time like watching any movies recently except for VHS tapes I find in the trash that I will just sort of watch because they're like <laughs> kind of random information but um like I just don't like I see lists and lists of movies that are coming out and I just feel like I'm going to be manipulated in some way and so I won't want to look at them you know, but, but I feel like all these movies are kind of like maybe balanced between like showing you something really cool and, and then maybe appealing to your emotions in some way, but you, you feel like there's more respect for you as a viewer because you're not just like this weird, I don't know, like a product or something or like um like like they they don't they don't i don't know i think i think there's a lot of respect in channel switching or in code switching or whatever you call it 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's 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 not going by by the paint by numbers by the formulas that that Hollywood or I even see it's not even just Hollywood. It's like the what's wild. Okay, is that they, there's these low low budget movies or direct to video films that you'd see in a red box or you know they just didn't make it to the theater, but they actually will have like A list actors or once were a big box office actors. And like, so there, you know, there's at least probably a couple million dollars into these films and they're just trying, they're just regurgitating formulas, but it's on a low budget and nobody cares, you know, about the product and it looks and feels that way. And it comes out like dog shit and they, they keep, and that shit just keeps coming. Yeah. Why do, why do you, how do those people like, do they really just have no imagination? Do they really think they're going to sort of, is it all is underlying all that some desire that they're going to like make money in some kind of industry sometime? Because I just feel like why, why would you ever do Why would you ever spend a year of your life? Like making something that you knew was like absolute, like manipulative garbage. I mean, it's fun if you're like 12 or 13 and you're making a video with your friends and you're like, let's make like a war movie or something like that. And then you're trying to emulate signifiers of other movies, you know, like, you know, as a joke, but as an adult, like, I just, I really believe that like, you should try to make something that's like, actually, it's not just respecting like the viewer, but also like yourself as, as like, you know, why, why would anybody want to like go in a movie where they know exactly what's going to happen? And I, and I feel like, every time I would go to like the movies, you know, and pay like $15 and see a movie, I would just be like, God, I know exactly what they're trying to make me think. There's no surprises here. They can't take a chance on the surprise. But then I feel like, I don't know. I'm maybe it's just, maybe it's just my sort of like bent towards things, maybe to be more like formal, formally interesting, like experimental films. I'd rather go see something where like, you know, it's just like flickering between different frames of blue and white and red, you know, just to be pummeled by some like visual weird experiment than like anything approaching like a kind of contrived emotional result from me, you know? And that's, I just, I just hate to be manipulated. And actually, you know, <laughs> connecting to comics, I sort of feel the same way. Like I really like, I really like how, underground comics maybe similar to these like ironic sort of movies they're kind of i feel like they're really not trying to manipulate you in a, a lot of senses and then i feel like a lot of um work has become more emotionally manipulative or more emotionally like real where it's like this is my story or my soul or something i, I don't know we talked about this a little bit before but but there's something there's something i like about I feel like it gives a lot of respect to the reader or the viewer when, when I don't feel like I'm supposed to have a certain reaction that's like pre pre-programmed. Right. And yeah, I, I get like, I'm all about the fucking wild, crazy channel switching. And although I think there, I think that there has to be like, well, it doesn't have to be. But I definitely know that there are some things that I do enjoy and that I do either through nostalgia or perhaps, and I'm thinking like, am I, am I guilty of, 
I guess no. I no. I definitely know that I've I've utilized modes of manipulation in my work, but it's also part of like my misdirects, and you know, like just you know, like when these uh, subversive direct, like a subversive director, like our friend Mike, like he pulls all these all these all these modes, but it is like it is maybe even to manipulate you into 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 not having not not allowing yourself to have the formula brain so it's kind of it's kind of it's breaking your you know it's, it's breaking how yeah. you perceive things yeah and, and to, well so sorry what um yeah, yeah it's it's kind of yes. like a it's kind of like um I, I i don't know i think for the same reason i liked music that was sort of like collage based or something like you know, like where the band would be changing a lot, what it was doing, like, um, and I think, and I think that's still like of interest or even, even like the idea of collage in general, like you're, you're having this sensation, but it's like collaged right next to this other sensation. Um, and like, I guess it seems like people put a lot of, um, you know, a lot of work into sort of like making, making something smooth or like not showing, not showing the, the roughness of how something's assembled. But I think it's really cool when you can see that something is like patched together, like even if it's like a, a video or, or if it's like somebody glued down this, like maybe they have a normal comic book, but then they glued in a, a photograph or something. And I still really kind of believe in that like formal experimentation as being like, there's, there's like a, like you say, it's like, it might be manipulating you into like waking up more or something. Um, and also I think that like, as somebody who really likes uh, like DIY independent, you know, like self-directed work where you're not just like trying to make a stupid fucking direct a video thing and wait for your this idea of that you're going to be picked up or something or maybe your next project will be like more have a more famous actor in it i really like the idea of like you have control over it and you should show the patchiness and make the patchy aesthetic you know because that's what you you do have control over that and like i don't know so i really like um i don't know moritsugu john moritsugu like terminal usa um you know um greg Araki, like the doom gener doom generation like all that kind of like 90s very punk sort of like very queer um cinema and i really like um george kuchar like you know who is doing like these kind of hollywood pastiches with his brother like starting in the 60s and really kind of developed this whole concept of camp i think he the Kuchar brothers kind of invented camp and I think John Waters kind of took the idea from him and like ran with it. Um, but they were like, had this incredible filmography. I mean, George Kuchar made like 400 movies or something. Um, all like zero budget. And then he would make movies with his students. The way he taught was he would, he taught at the San Francisco art Institute and every semester they would just make a make a movie and so everybody would do all the different roles like they would act and make the props and write the script together and i think that was that's really inspiring to me like that idea of like democratically kind of making content 
Um, so, right, and like bringing people to like under an umbrella, but where it's not, uh, where it just kind of it just kind of comes together. I, I I yearn for collaborations like that because they're kind of. I, I I have had collaborations like that with my friends growing up. I felt that they were. I, I didn't think any necessarily any one person was the boss or whatever. There's just someone has an idea or they they're going to portray it this way. And then the people they come together and they do it. But then I've also been a part of or people wanted to get me into involved in different other other things. And it just to where it didn't make sense and I didn't like what was going on. And then you had a, then then there was a, a nobody who was acting like they were a, a dictator and a great director, but with but, but with but with a nonsensical bullshit. I mean, I, I like a little bit of nonsense, but it has to. I don't know. There's there's some things have something, even if like it's a, a mess. But some things. Well, I think mess. okay, yeah. I mean, I think I have a lot of thoughts about this um, because I've been. Maybe similarly to you, I had a lot of early experiences like in my teens and adolescence, like making a lot of collaborative work. Like my friends and I would hang out and draw comics. We would also make weird movies, skits, we would call them, you know, or um, or we would write stories. I mean, there was a lot of creative work that was kind of being generated by like in a group sense where it's like, there wasn't a big ego. Maybe all of us kind of had some languishing sense that we wanted to like, it, it almost felt like there was no, it was more fun to do it in this like group spirit. I think the ego, like the sense that there's somebody in charge and you have to do it a certain way really came more with like, uh, like a more of a um, understanding of the context of how like the art system, hierarchical art system, and you know because because maybe that work was being created also in like a context where there was also punk shows and a lot of other examples of like DIY kind of activity. Um. So I, I think that's interesting. I've definitely been in collaborations where you're all kind of sitting around and no one like has a clear idea. And it's kind of like, um, it's a very like chemical thing. It's a very like chemistry related thing when you're able to like build off of each other's ideas really quickly and come up with something cool. And like, um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's, um, it's hard to think now, like now I'm in my forties and it's like, I'm interested in making a lot of content or a lot of work in different ways with different people. And I don't know whether to like surrender the idea of the author, you know, entirely to like a more like, we're all like a more democratic model um, or whether to be like i have this weird lucid dream that i had that i want to like manifest in this video and i want you to to do it with me and here's what it's going to look like and um i don't know so like when doing comics you're kind of like i feel like that's the best time to just be like i'm just doing this by myself here's my like direct to paper like dream but then i think when it comes to like film and maybe 
um, you know, music and things like that. I think it's good to, I think it's good to talk these things through because I think the, the main thing that kills collaboration is like a lack of like real honest communication. Like people have to say, Oh, this is really bad. Or I really want to do this, or I really don't want to do this. And it has to not be taken like personally. Um, I don't know. It's no, yeah, yeah. Um, I've had I've had some good collaborate. You know, I, that the idea of like what, whether or not like you want to have this uh, in collaboration to have this definitive vision and to have participate have people willfully uh, participate and help you realize that to your vision, you know, the, your exact specifications or surrender some of that, uh, that authorship and to make it more of a, a like a community thing or a, a group effort. Uh, I've, I've done a little bit of that where I've released it. And you, cause I think I've, maybe I, cause I, I, most of the stuff I've done is by myself as far as like drawings and comics. Uh, but I've gotten more lax with those things. And I, I was, I've done like some musical collaborations with some of my friends where I just, I because because I, I don't I don't play any instruments so then I kind of figure like well how can I really start you know be dictating <laughs> to the the person who is who has to set up the recording equipment the who plays the stuff let's just uh, let it be open and uh, you know I guess it, it has it has felt good to to relax on that uh, on that control a bit and it's been more fun. In that I, way. Yeah, I think I think like um, I'm really interested in kind of the uh, overlap between like game playing and um, I don't know, maybe call it like literature or narrative, like how how you develop narrative and. Um, and it kind of also overlaps with teaching. It's like, so, I mean, for the last, like, I don't know, 10 years now, I guess, yeah, starting in 2011, I started like teaching, you know, people how to draw comics. And so we have exercises and I know that on some level, they kind of want to like make a narrative, like they might have some, thing they want to be like they want to draw a comic that feels like this manga or something like that um and that is good but also i think that you can learn a lot just through like sort of doing different exercises and playing different kinds of games like um you know draw a comic that takes place in a million years over over a million years or something like, and so the prompts that I like give my students are like the way that the way that I'm writing the prompts in a way kind of reminds me of like a role playing, like when you're doing a role playing game and somebody's the dungeon master. And I remember trading off that duty from like D and D where it's like one person would be DM game and they would sort of give the prompts for the other character, uh, the other players. And you would be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. And I think that's really interesting in terms of like concocting like narratives for, for like movies or for plays. Um, 
in a way to like have have one person be the dm and that person is whoever like bought the camera maybe or <laughs> bought the film um but that the the other players are sort of involved maybe in the creation of it and i know i know other people have done a lot of work in this regard like you know john cassavetes having his improvised films and like i mean jacques rivette like having sort of films that were kind of like games and um um allison beckman is that her name allison beckman i'm just googling um i like the idea of the of the, the film being a, a game that is played with the actors and the director is that is that how yeah it, is that, is that yeah a kind of like something that's in between uh you know like a game and a and a like you like a structure of a narrative where you're like it's a love story or a um you know whatever um like something that might be maybe not improvised but um oh i'm sorry erica beckman um who did these like cool super eight movies that were i don't know very very much about like like tasks and goals and things like that. Like people doing weird tasks and like fucking up at their tasks. And um, it definitely seemed like she was in control of what she was doing, but it was also kind of like, maybe they were about games more than they were games. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to figure out because you're like, well, you know, if I may, and people like since my early like adulthood were always like interactivity, the internet, CD-ROMs, whatever the fuck, like, you know, like this always being sold as a new kind of product, even the way that CDs were sold. Like, I mean, I remember when CDs came out, you know, and they were like, you can skip from one track to the next, you know, before you had to like, whatever, listen to it sequentially. So there's always this kind of idea of like selling people this, interactivity that i think is kind of bogus but i think that the way that interactivity like creates content is really uh not interactive i think the way that like game systems create content is really interesting like choose your own adventure books right right okay yeah my fucking you know i my my thing is i'm brain damaged so like i just kind of like i kind of piece it all together so yeah <laughs> Yes, I've you know I could, it's kind of also for me. Uh, I I never I never played role playing games and yeah I think it was out of fear maybe it was out of fear but or maybe it was out of a ADHD to where like I I knew it, re it requires a lot of time and you have your dice and these other things and then I thought why would I why would I play a, a, one of these uh, RPGs if I uh, if I can just play a video game instead so that's probably my my. Uh, me being autistic, I'm just like I just want to look at the TV and <laughs> I want to I want to play. Well, you robot. didn't you didn't like the dice? Weren't, weren't you enchanted by the dice? I mean, the dice were like <laughs> drew me in, like seeing these weird like geometric cube, weird cubes, or I was just like, whoa! I want those dice. Like I want a set of dice. But um, I mean. I, I guess I it's all my, just, yeah. my friends just weren't playing those things. Or it wasn't well, it wasn't like the like like really like 
nerdy people did not like me, so I could I, I couldn't really get into those circles. So like, and those were the circles where the game, like the uh, the role playing games, were being played. Or actually, some of my friends were playing those games, but I resented them so much because they spent so much time playing them. So I never I never role played. Well, I think I think also maybe um, I don't know. It seems like maybe you were just like in your own strange world where you were rotating, you know, predators machine gun around in your head or like trying to draw something really like <laughs> trying to draw something really like insane or some like weird. I mean, was school like was school what was it like for you? It was uh I wasn't a bad kid. It was you know there was a lot of I got picked on. I got picked on a bit because I was. I guess I thought I was weird. I guess I, I did weird stuff. My friends were a little weird, and then we all kind of made each other weird. We reinforced the weird, and the, I, I I hate saying that, but I mean like that's just, that's just the that's what I was I was led to believe. You know, people told me that I was weird and said that my friends were weird or or said other like you know used a different verbiage to describe who who and how we were. Do they say uh, you so were goofy like, things? Were you uh, dirty girls? And they're like, you're dirty girls. Have you ever seen that YouTube video that's like the dirty girls from the nineties and they wouldn't wash their hair? And they were there was No but, but like all the other Are they real? <laughs> but all the all the girls, all the normal girls are sort of like fascinated with them because they're like just these girls who like are sort of like unkempt and, and maybe kind of like punk or something. Um, where I mean, were you like, what was your physical appearance like in in at this time? Uh, chubby glasses, uh, uh black hair. It looked like a a very uh, black hair, ethnic looking. Because uh, when, also when I'm when I'm more fold out, when I'm more filled out, I kind of look like a chubby uh, Mexican guy. So you were like, um, yeah, you were like a a brown nerd. Yeah, and I, but I didn't do any of like the nerdy stuff. Except I made a lot of weird noises. I used to, I used to, I used to, uh, I would speak funny. I had a lot of weird voices and sounds. I would just make silly sounds, sound effects. Uh, I probably, uh, uh, how can I even? Because now, like, I'm, I'm this weird climate. And I'll just say it. People said, you know, you look like a fag. You look stupid. Whatever. I mean, and I, you know, thing is, man, I want to. I would want to say like all the fucking things that people would say to me, but you know what? I'll have to save that. I'll have to save that for like my, my one podcast where I say every possibly terrible bad word. Well, ever. You know, and all, all the things that were said to me and the things that I said to people as a result, or, you know, just from being contaminated. I, I, I don't uh, think you're in, yeah, in, man, in any fun. danger of being canceled for bringing up childhood traumatizing experience where we're, experiences where you're called a fag i mean i, I I've, <laughs> I've often wondered if i i mean as a like if i like if you if you are called a fag enough times in your life are you queer like because i mean i definitely think that as a nerd as like a young nerd who was interested in things like and dungeons and dragons was very like empowering to me in a way because you know, and all these fantasy sorts of, I mean, books were extremely useful to me as a way of sort of like avoiding people and 
just like having some sort of control and filling up books became filling up blank books became like what I did and like what I still do. But I don't know. I was kind of oblivious to how maybe marginal I was, but I mean, I'm also like, you know, a white male, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not going to cry about my, you know, my, my upbringing, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, definitely like it was sort of a weird position and, and all these kids that I was hanging out with, you know, and drawing together, we were like only successful in this sort of like creative writing class echelon. But I mean, it, it's interesting, like you do work with people and like some of these people I have done work with continuing and, you know, like played music with my friend Tom, like last summer, um, you know, Raven and I, my best friend from that time, we still have collaborated on projects we hang out all the time it's like but i i think maybe i just became too sort of like arty or um what what i did maybe stopped making as much narrative sense or i became like more interested in kind of like i don't know maybe projects that i was just doing alone i don't i don't know it's strange i've i've, I've had a strange career like with a lot of collaborative projects such as music and films and then a lot of also internal kind of like writing or drawing projects by myself so right what you were saying about the uh like with some of your these collaborator uh, collaborators that you collaborated with in your youth and then after you get you got to a certain point then maybe like it was just uh you just didn't jive or you didn't coalesce like you used to because you, you grow in, in different directions. And I, I had a, a set of friends. I mean, I have a set of friends and we made videos and did all sorts of wacky stuff together. But then that's just at some point, like it just stopped or, or they just didn't want to, they didn't want to participate anymore. And I may, and maybe my, maybe what, what I was doing was not, I don't know, but people, or, or sometimes you, there's maybe there's weird undercurrents of resentment or people just, yeah, they just don't, they don't want, well, they don't want to play anymore. And so yeah. Also, also I moved away. Like I moved from Washington state from like the Island where I grew up to like New York. And then I was like trying to somehow still play with them, play with my friends. And also I felt like maybe I had access to like, a, a different context that was, you know, I was spending most of my time away. I would come back in the summers. Um, but in some way, I kind of think they're the most like, like influential people on how I think. And although, although maybe I sort of like started learning in different ways or different directions than them, you know, just the fact that we made up our own like weird code of telling stories when we were like 12 to 16 is really huge for me. And yeah, it's almost like I would learn things, learn about things and I would feel like I was barraging them with information that maybe they didn't want to hear so much. I mean, but even in high school, I, I remember having this feeling where I'd be like, I just discovered like the boredoms or something and I'd play it for them or something and they would maybe not like it. But um, I don't know. And then 
and then like you go to some place like New York and you see all these people who are into those things and it can be it can be very like um it can actually be difficult to like get back the kind of working relationship with people that you have at that time and I think it's really precious like and important to hold on to but yeah I've been thinking about making movies with those people again and also like trying to make movies with like my family maybe <laughs> or, like make them act um in in things but also also I think like maybe the longer that you do work in these relationships you find other people who are willing to and and younger people maybe have more time so you I don't know like like um it might be easier to talk into doing like weird projects um but um right. yeah and 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 now as like an old uh person in my 40s I can have some sort of like perhaps uh you know undeserved um like you know sage level where uh, people might think I know what I'm doing which I don't at all but maybe I can maybe I can talk some of these youngsters into doing weird shit um but right the reference for you because you're you're an og you know indie alt cartoonist you know who's, who's got all these publications under his belt you got i, I you probably you probably have seen <laughs> different albums. um what do you mean by album i mean do you mean like a pile of mp3s on your computer i mean i don't know i i mean i've always just recorded things so whether it's in books or in zines or in on video and i actually have a, a i'm more interested in the process of doing that than in the product so i have a difficulty with there there just becomes too much like there's just all of these weird little videos and films that like i would actually rather like be working on something than like sitting down and editing something or you know i have an unfinished this mumblecore parody from last year or I mean, before the pandemic. And then, you know, I've been making all this collaborative work with Brian Pilot that's unedited. We have like an hour of this weird robot movie, um, you know, um, but meanwhile, I just want to like go to my studio and like draw animation or these like, other these these like cards that I'm thinking of as being sort of like a like a a game deck of cards um but um yeah I kind of I kind of just hope that to generate enough stuff that like people see one sort of um part of it at least might infer the other more difficult to access parts and and then it's okay for me if those things are just like around somewhere like on a tape I don't know right man there's all those little yeah, the little tiny recordings of the song here and there or, or for you know there are like little little moments and either it's like on a VHS somewhere or a handycam mini DV video or uh, an audio cassette and to me like some of those things, because I, I, I mean, anyone that like that has like spent like a, in real life time with me has been witness to me uh, 
enjoying something that I've made over and over and over again. Like that was kind of like I my thing where I would fucking be obsessive about if it was a movie, if I even if I didn't make it, if I loved something, then I would rewind it and watch it over again or just a scene or a, a bit of dialogue or a sound effect ma- matched with the action or you know what I'm saying. But yeah, like you know, all these little tiny things and I'm just I'm happy that they exist. Although I'm really actually not that happy because I want them all to be uh, immortalized somehow, even if they're just complete shit. There are to other people, but to me, just have. <laughs> I'm just like thinking, just thinking of like just little videos that no one's ever seen, or audio bits, or or drawings, or unfinished comics, or un- I have an unfinished, a couple of unfinished graphic novels. Have people haven't seen, but then at the same time, like I get cold feet. I don't know if I want if I want anybody to see. Well, I mean, I definitely want to see anything that you make. I mean, I think the thing is with um with that stuff, I kind of think of it as being a way of like being in the world, just to be making stuff daily as a kind of artistic practice. And I'm like enough of a obstinate sort of anti-capitalist or something, or maybe enough of like a weird, I don't know, um, nihilistic um, (laughs) Zen type person where I'm like, it just doesn't matter. Like just to make the stuff, just to make the stuff and like make it available on some level is, is really good. And if you do that every day for like, you know, it's interesting how the anxiety changes, changes also from like in your teens to your twenties, to your thirties, to your forties, where it's like in my twenties, I was like so anxious about being seen. Um, And then I guess in your forties, you're maybe I mean, right now, I just, I, I actually feel very good. I just, like, I have all these long-running projects. Like, I know they'll get done. They'll get out there at some point. I want to give them the time that they need. I'm not worried about immortality. I'm not worried about, like, but maybe maybe there is, a, maybe that's good, like, to, to have some sort of anxiety about, like, preservation of all this work. But, um I don't know. It seems, it seems, it doesn't seem that important that things take on like any particular form or like the right form. Although on the other hand, I would like to make like a really good movie. So I don't know. I have conflicting impulses (laughs) extremely. And yes, we do. This is the, this is one impulse that I actually just need to tell you. It's a little bit of info is that we are in 59 minutes and 11 seconds. I want to continue this, but it, it only Uh-oh. records in our increments. So I, I will have, have to end this and then I, resend you the link. We might have to continue. Uh, we might have to continue in, I want to keep it all- um, the next, like, don't you think we should continue in like a year or something? Like, I mean, to really have a sort of animation style version. Yeah, stop motion, exactly. Stop motion. Um, I think we should meet again in one year. You bet.
We'll do it. No, you can so release it, but we just it. can't have the follow. I mean, we've we've got to let it sink in like wine. You know, we'll let it breathe. God damn it! You there? Street, 
Chao, 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 chao. 
chili, chili, boom. chili, chili. Boom. Boom. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Yeah. Chili, 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 chili. Bow, 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 chili. Chow, 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 chow. Itch, 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 Oh, oh, oh.